Thursday, September 21st, 2023, coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. Embrace the energy of downtown Vancouver with a stay at the Wall Center. Call 604-331-1000 and enjoy fall at the Wall. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, hitting switches, conducting things. The show presentation of Applewood Auto Group celebrating their 25th anniversary with great deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues from Infinity, the QX50, the QX60 lease from 3.99%. And of course, no charge maintenance packages with purchase. Chance to win $25,000. See dealer for details, and they've got quite an auto show planned mm-hmm. for October 1st out at the Performance Center in Langley. We'll be there. Invite you to come join us because, Blake Price. It is. All good at Applewood. What oh, a nice flourish you put on right? there. Poll question today from Bodog. Is Jim Rutherford right? Does everything have to go right for the Canucks to make the playoffs? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. Did you see the day my Bears had yesterday? I, well, So the defensive coordinator the coaching thing, resigned yes. yeah. after a... Missing Sunday's game with a personal matter. Very odd resignation, too. There seems to be something going on there. Then the quarterback said he's playing too robotically because of coaching and then had to re reconvene the media to tell them, no, no, no. I it's me. It's me. I wasn't throwing the quarterback yes. out of the under yeah. the bus. They are 12.5-point underdogs in Kansas City. And really, I'd lay 32.5 with Kansas City this Sunday. <laughs> On your Bodog line of the day. Uh, On the poll question, Matt, as people have been pointing out, uh, at least on social media already and stuff, uh, you know, was it walked back by Jim Rutherford? No, I would say that it it was put in a reasonable context. It was qualified a little bit after he uttered it. But I think what his point is, is one injury, one this, that's not Mm. everything going right. He doesn't mean absolutely everything going right, because there are injuries every year. He means within the reasonable scale, everything has to go right. And that's why he qualified it. Yeah. Meaning not losing Thatcher Demko for a half season. Right. Meaning Meaning improving on the penalty kill. Meaning most of your stars playing to the level 75 we, games and to their level. And producing to the level that we saw last year. Yeah. No, I mean, that's certainly how I took yeah. it. Yeah, like Petey missing a few games with a Nick, that's, exactly. that's, that's still and, fun. And, and, I, and I commend Rutherford for it. It's good honesty. Mm-hmm. He's managing expectations. I would suspect he's managing expectations above as much as to the fan base. It looks like a better team on paper. They were 12 points out, though, with a lot of teams to jump last year. We have to re- remember that, not to mention, could be teams that finished below them last year that take a step up as well. So it's a big ask. It's a pretty good conference. You hope you're going to get help from your fellow Western Canadian teams, Calgary and Winnipeg, because Winnipeg was imploding at the end of last year. I mean, I've never seen Rick Bonus as hot. And what's their identity? And frustrated as he was last year. I mean, we've called him the happy Haligonian for years. Rick was not happy last year. Yeah. That was not a player group that seemed to mesh with what he was preaching. 
Uh, and then there's Calgary, where you have all these stars who are much like Elias Pettersson, waiting to see how this season goes down before committing. And in some cases, and there's been some reporting on this, guys who are just not interested in signing long-term there. Now, this could still be the residual effect of Gerald Sutter. We'll see if it's a shinier, happier organization this year with a new general manager in Craig Conroy, of course, a new head coach in Ryan Huska, first-time NHL head coach. But long way to go for Calgary, long way to go for Winnipeg based on the way last season ended, but the longest way to go for the Vancouver Canucks. And to that point, like more, I think, very good honesty here from a Vancouver Canuck personage, the goaltender Thatcher Damko. Interview with Ian McIntyre at Sportsnet. And the money quote, and you got to get right down to the bottom to find it, I think this year is do or die, meaning for this group. To be honest, we love this group of guys that we have here, this core, but we can't really say that we're a young group. We have plenty of experience. We have a certain maturity about us, and you see guys stepping up. Like if you told me two years ago that Quinn was going to be captain, I'd have I'd have had a little chuckle. But he's grown into that role, and he's grown into the person that can handle that. That's just a testament to this core group of guys and the steps that we've taken as people and as players. So, yeah, I think this year is full steam ahead. We don't have anything to lean on as an excuse. The core is in their young prime years, but they're mm-hmm. not young players. Like a young player, young team is a team that's like it got a bunch of 20 to 21 year olds in there. Right. Like under 23. Yeah. These uh, the prime players are twenty four and up now That's for, for That's the Vancouver it. Canucks. So I think that Demko's point is we need to see a tangible stride forward here. And he's absolutely he's right. right. What's because, he waiting because for? Because now the players are on the same side of the fence. Like, okay, where's this going? Yeah, we need to see something meaningful. And of course, they have agency. We don't. Well, I'm but it's I... been too much of the same old, same old with the Vancouver Canucks, and I don't blame. The players, if they're frustrated with it. And Thatcher Demko and JT Miller are middle-aged now in terms of their hockey careers. 27, 28 years of age. Is, 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 sorry, Demko and who? Miller. Miller's 30, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. And Demko's what? 27. He'll be 28 in early December. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they don't want to waste any more time. So for Thatcher Demko, he's thinking, can I see the playoffs again, please? Yeah. He wants to get going. Uh, Don't blame him. Yeah. As you may know, Ilya Mikheyev left Canucks training camp today for personal reasons. And immediately people are going, oh my gosh, less than 24 hours after the president of hockey operations says everything needs to go right. Here's, Here's a top six winger who's leaving camp on day one. His agent, Dan Milstein, tells me he expects they'll he expects McCaff will be back in a few days. Said it's nothing serious. Saw Dolly Wall reporting it's family matter. So I don't look, we knew that McCaff was going to be limited in a non contact jersey yeah. skating with the C group to begin with. So I'm not necessarily sure this is chicken little or anything like that. We'll see where he's at when he does get back. I mean, I think everyone is uh, exonerated from immediately thinking, okay, he didn't like, he didn't, fe- uh, he felt something he didn't like in testing, and he's stepping away from from the team. Um, if you went there in your head, don't blame you. But thankfully, that mm-hmm. is not the case here, uh, yeah. and and hopefully, and it does sound like that that even the the personal reason yeah. is not a uh, a super serious one. Tanner Pearson met the media in Montreal today. 
said it was nice to get traded before training camp. At least he can get there for day one, learn systems. But he did say it sucked at the same time. Talked about mixed emotion and how he was very close with the guys in Vancouver. I thought Drance made a good point in his column in The Athletic saying, as much as losing Pearson may suck for the group because I, I think everybody was in Tanner Pearson's corner in that room and were delighting in the fact he was back on the ice playing hockey again in his happy place and resuming his career. Of course, that was in doubt last year. Yep. But as Drance pointed out, demoting him on the eve of the season would have been another morale blow to the club. Like, oh. He got back, but he's not going to be with the big group. And, of course, as we discussed yesterday, he was a visual representation of a medical mishap, and that doesn't help morale, nor does that help confidence in the front office or the medical team. So I think it was best for all parties that he was moved on. Pearson said he figured something would happen, not his first trade. He's been in the league a while. He described last year as crazy, saying he went through a lot, but he's happy with where he is now. He got asked what happened after that first surgery last year, and his response was, we don't have enough time for that. So he didn't sewer the Canucks in detail. He just sort of glossed over it, big picture, broad strokes, and assured everyone there in La Belle Province that he is ready, ready to rock. I sort of... Knew this in my back of my mind, but when I saw it actually represented, typed out, it did catch me a little bit off guard. You saw the Big Head Hockey tweet about the nationality composition of the Vancouver Canucks with 12 American players and just three Canadian. I think it's going to wind up being four because I think Di Giuseppe makes the team alongside Beauvillier, Susie, and Myers. Those are your four Canadians. Maybe Matt Irwin makes it. Yeah, I, I mean, I maybe we, yeah. With Demko, Besser, and Miller, we've chronicled and and Hughes, we've chronicled the the core being vastly American. I don't think I had logged that the team is vastly yeah. American, and, and it's actually quite a. Um, and look, we're seeing this more and more. I'm not sure hockey's a global sport, but it certainly touches a lot of Europe. They got Swedish, Russian, Czech, Latvian, and Swiss representation on the club. And if Atu Ratu uh, winds up making it at some point this year, they'll have Finnish representation as well. Probably a little early for the Belarusians, Tolapilo and Klimovich. But yes, a, a large swath of the hockey-playing world represented the other the Vancouver Canucks. The other Americans, by the way, Dakota Joshua. Um, uh, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Connor Garland. Miller, Besser, Demko, Hughes, Cole, Wolanin, DeSmith. And then a bunch of peripheral players that may or may not make the team, like Max Sasson and, uh, and McDonough and Dries. So, yeah. yeah. 18 Canadians on the Golden Knights 24-man roster. Yes, no, year. I know. Uh, there was a lot of jingoists pumping out their chests last year. <laughs> uh, look at how Canadian that's Don Cherry being yeah. one of them, yeah. You don't say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and we will hear from the Vancouver Canucks and some of the particulars made available to the media later here in this block. We'll make that welcome, Matt, today. No Dominic Rhymes for the BC Lions tomorrow in Edmonton against the Elks. In fact, there's not a single personnel change to the BC Lions roster from the game that 
where they beat the Ottawa Red Blacks with a 19-point fourth quarter comeback. Rhymes practice all week. You're allowed to practice in your final week when on the six-game injured list, so he just needs a little more time. So we're anticipating Rhymes back for the September 29th game here at BC Place against Saskatchewan. They are making one change on the offensive line from a starter backup point of view. David Neville, fifth-year player from the University of Nebraska, is going to start at left guard for An- for Andrew Pearson. It's funny because I can remember Neville's first game several years ago back in Ottawa. For some reason, I was on the trip with Moj and Julio and the Whittingham, and he had to step in that day and actually looked pretty good. I'm a little surprised that it's taken this long for him to crack the starting lineup, but this is a guy with all sorts of amateur pedigree. So just the one change for the Leos. And, you know, as we know, they've owned Edmonton over the last two years. I mean, just blowout victory after blowout victory. The Elks haven't even really been close for a half against the Lions, but it's an Edmonton team that's won four or five and that is turning the corner. So Friday night football tomorrow, the BC Lions, a chance to clinch a playoff spot with a victory. And of course, the sights and designs are on bigger fish, and that is hosting a playoff game for a second consecutive year. And let's make it the West Final this year after hosting the semi. Yes, please. Last year. Yes, please. Looking very good there. You called a 4-1 loss for Vancouver Whitecaps FC in Houston last night against the Dynamo. I'm not sure it was as lopsided as 4-1. There was some bad luck from the Caps. And... They had been going so well on this seven-game roadie. I think they were probably they were due to hit a wall. scheduled for a loss, yeah. And they hit a wall against the Houston side um, that has been red hot as well, particularly at home. They uh, they didn't create enough in the final third, despite owning the ball, I thought, for the entirety of the match, and some of that was score effects. But um, even, even their starts to the first half and the second half were pretty good. Um, but their execution at the, the final moment as they tried like they had four or five headers say all 10 feet wide and they're so good with their head brian white included so well, brian white got on the score sheet again yes. sadly with his head reason. with his head too and, and that was the other thing i remarked is he's so good with his head you'd think he would have had a better direction with that but he uh screwed with his keeper there on that one so yeah it just it, it planets didn't align for them um no and we'll see if they can shake it off versus rail here in a couple of days the thing is and blake and i've been tracking this for two years down in the stretch drive of the mls season they once again get a lot of help on the out-of-town scoreboard. Could have been worse. Portland beats San Jose, which is a good result for them. Galaxy beats Minnesota. Seven goals in that game, 4-3, which is good. Dallas came back to beat Real Salt Lake 3-1. That's where they go next, Salt Lake City on mm-hmm. Saturday. LAFC in St. Louis with a nil-nil draw, so LAFC did not move the three points further ahead. And in the lone uh, intra-conference game, Nashville beats Kansas City, if you still thought Kansas City could get on a run to catch Vancouver. So that's East beating West. It's one of those situations, though, where you're right. For Vancouver's aspirations near the top of the Eastern Conference, the scoreboard broke their way. What it did do is it kept Portland in it. It It, kept Dallas in it. And it means that the Caps, as much as they are still very much in it to finish as high as second, if not first in the Western Conference, certainly second, they are also still just four points away from 
tenth. Yeah, and out of the playoffs. Well, the the thing that happened with this one, Blake, is they still, if they win their two in hand against Seattle, they could still get to second place. Yeah, they do have a few teams now that are a little closer. Uh, albeit again, they have games in hand over just about everyone in the Chase Pack except for FC Dallas. Yeah, the problem now is that you've still got a tough road game Saturday. You're once again on the road next Wednesday in Colorado. Got the sitter there that has to be a guaranteed three-pointer. Now, you've got your, I believe it's your last regular season game against an Eastern foe with um, DC United coming up, and that's at home on the 30th. Got to win that one. That's the next home game. That's another sitter. But then the schedule gets really hard. St. Louis, Seattle, LAFC, the three top teams in the West is who you close with. Yeah. So you got to go. So you need a little cushion before you get into that triumvirate. At the very least, you need to go 2 0 and 1 in the next three games. If you get a draw in against Real, so be it. Mm-hmm. You got to beat Colorado. And then you're then that seven game road trip ends up at 4 2 and 1. Right. Or sorry, sorry, 4 1 and 2 if you get the draw. Right. And you would have signed up for that oh. for. All the marbles. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't think in Vanny's wildest dreams he would have thought, oh, yeah, we'll go 4-1-2 and two on the seven-game roadie. Yeah. So that's all it takes. A draw versus round. That's that's what it is. Well, sorry, you got to beat Colorado. But Colorado's got to look like the Toronto game. you got to just be clearly the better team. Yep. And then you got to take care of D.C. at home. And D.C. is a, is three games below 500. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got to win that one, too. It's all, it's all doable. Baseball, where... The Blue Jays, Mariners, Rangers, and Astros all win last night. So no blood. Kicking cans down the road Absolutely. here. Yep. Although if you're a Jays fan, you'll take the, no blood is good for yep. you. You're sitting on playoff position. Closer to the end. Exactly. Uh, Toronto into Tampa tomorrow. Rays finishing up a series right now with the Angels. Toronto into Tampa where they have the pitching advantage in two of the three matchups on paper against the best home team in all of baseball. Uh, shout out, forgot to mention this yesterday, Prince George's Jared Young called back up by the Chicago Cubs a few days ago at a pinch hit RBI Tuesday. Good on you, Jared. And now here comes the big one tomorrow where Seattle is into Texas. And this series, we suspect, will go a long way to determining who's in, who's out, and maybe even who wins the AL West. Bryce Miller versus Dane Dunning tomorrow in a very good-looking pitching matchup. In fact, the pitching matchups all weekend look pretty good. Gilbert against an undecided starter for Texas on Saturday, so you have to think a bit of an edge there to the M's. And then they finish with another tantalizing pitching matchup. Jordan Montgomery's been excellent for the Rangers this year, and he's up against the rookie Brian Wu Sunday. So M's looking to get two of three. You win the series against Texas on the road. You know you got Texas coming back to your park to close on out the season. This could be a lot of fun, as we have discussed in the AL West, particularly with the three teams vying for, we think, two spots. But if the bottom falls out of the Blue Jays season, we could see all three of them make it. Can you believe it that the Toronto Blue Jays actually have the third best record in the American League? Well, as we as we speak right now, I was watching the game with my brother last night, and we were talking about how the Blue Jays would be a first place team or look 
or looking to be a first place team in a lot of other divisions. Yeah, like the AL East has been incredible this year. It, it's it's almost unfair. You think about what the playoffs looked like when we were kids, right? Like they'd be they'd be several games oh, back. They, they're out of it. The season's <laughs> over now. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I mean the. Four teams made the playoffs once upon a time. And yet they're the third the best team thing. in the entirety of the league. Yep. Tennis in the Labor Cup this weekend at Rogers Arena. I've seen a lot of the uh, social media videos that both entities have put out. Some crossover fun with Elias Pettersson meeting Shelton, Tiafo and yeah. Federer and some of the participants here at the Labor Cup. Cool event. Hope it works out for them. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> without Saudi money attached, it's a little... Um, Livy, in terms of you know how they're reinventing it, there's no third set, just go straight to a tiebreaker. So quicker, it's the rugby sevens. That's a better way to put yeah. it of of tennis. And of course, it has that Roger Federer magic dust sprinkled all over yeah, it. Yeah, well, you so. we hope so. I mean, we, we we are not really a tennis city in terms of events. We've we've got the, had the Alden Brown obviously in the Stanley Park, we've had it, Davis Cup ties yeah. a number of times, but without a, a, a like an ATP stop. You know, we, we're not used to these level of players being here and the expectation of filling the stands. Let's hope it works out. What we are, though, is a grassroots tennis. Oh, the and tennis if you talk right. to the Tennis Canada people, one of the reasons they brought Davis ties out here as often as they do they know that. is because yeah. they track the number of recreational players and know that Vancouver, British Columbia is absolutely a hotspot for the sport coast to coast. Yeah, for sure. Of course, we got, you know, facilities. The other thing is just... Drive around Vancouver for a day. Count the number of outdoor tennis courts. Tennis it's pretty clubs. good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and even, even like just uh, city rec centers, never mind private clubs, like the West Van Rec Center has got like a ton, like a tennis bubble. Like, it, like it's cool. Yeah. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1. Drinkag1.com slash and Price. It's that simple, and you can know that you've got that foundational nutritional supplement to begin your day, end your day, or continue your day. Go check it out, drinkag1.com. Big show coming up. Dave Tomlinson, our old friend, a former daily Sakarison Price guest way back in the day. Of course, he's back home here calling Canucks games on TV alongside John Shorthouse and Ray Ferraro yesterday telling the John, uh, telling our buddy John Shannon on the Bob McCowan podcast. It's going to be about 20 games for him this year. He's hoping to do 30 next year. So that's about 40 for Thomas. I think there's 58 local games. Is so, there? Yeah. And of course, David spent the last couple of years in Seattle helping launch that team by doing the color, uh, color commentary on the radio side. Delighted that Dave's back at the Jim Robson gondola, we talked to him about tons. Is this a playoff team? Do you agree with Rutherford and everything has to go right? He gives a scouting report on Carson Soucy. Talk about the top six winger group who factors there. We talk about the top four defensive group. Great conversation. Fantastic hearing Dave's voice again. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including the Sharps. They discovered a mistake from one of the books. And they hammered it to the tune of a $20 million loss. And on a prop that is so outlandish, it has only happened twice in NFL history. Rob Williams, Rob the hockey guy, on his way to Victoria for Canucks training camp. We talked to Rob about, well, Casey DeSmith, he has worn number one throughout his career. He is not wearing number one for the Vancouver Canucks. Ask Rob his two cents on the trade and on the Rutherford statement about everything needing to go right. 
no matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Well, today we turn the welcome mat over to Elias Pettersson, the Vancouver Canucks star centerman who spoke today on the opening day of training camp. And let's face it, the huge story with Elias this year is not necessarily what does he do for an encore after a 100-point season last year, but is this his last season in Vancouver? Can they get his name on a contract extension? He was asked about the contract and being a distraction this season. Here's what he said. It's not a distraction. Uh, you guys make it a distraction. Um, got one more year left. Uh, I'm happy now, but I just want to focus on uh, uh, the season, uh, my teammates, and uh, just uh, come out with a good start with the team. What do you hear there? I, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in that position, and I'm trying to... I'm sure that's the intention, that it's not a distraction. I think maybe in the early in the season, Matt, that's probably true. Probably true. But I think come January or February, it might start to creep in your mind. Or if the losing begins. Right. Because then the Vancouver Canucks have to make a very difficult choice on, are we going to play this out or are we going to move on? And you start to get tired of the losing and you mm-hmm. take that step back and say, what's my future look like? Well, here? and then things start to happen that are out of your control, right? Like teams start calling you going, is Elias Pettersson available? Here's what we can do for Elias Pettersson. And all of those happenings. Many believe that Pettersson needs this organization to show progress, be better, be more competitive, going back to his comments a couple of years ago in Sweden that he wants to play for a perennial playoff team and a team that can contend for the Stanley Cup. After Demko mentioned it's a do-or-die season for this core group, here's Elias when asked about whether it's time for success. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we all live in the moment, and um, we want to make the most of it. And I think we, we have a good chance. We've been, uh, uh, I think we're uh, one more deaf, deaf now in the group. And um, but I mean, it's up to us to continue building every day and uh, yeah, try to become, become the best team we can be. A lot more depth is true. He didn't sound quite as urgent as Demko, but the same sentiment I think is there. Once they're done mm-hmm. waiting around for it, done waiting for the wins, done yep. waiting for the playoffs. Yep. And, you know, frankly, what I heard from Demko today, and I know many have thought, oh, if Elias has one foot out the door at the end of this season, others will follow. You would doubt. To me, I think, uh, to me, I wonder Mm -hmm. if Thatcher would be the first to follow. 
Um, it's you know the Hellebuck factor. Hellebuck has kind of done nipping around the heels of success in Winnipeg, right. and he wants out. You'd have to think right. that Jedevko says, "I don't want to wait as long as as Hellebuck is waiting." And right? it's a common thread now amongst players. They want to take more ownership, more control over where their career goes. They don't want to stick around sad sack losing franchises year upon year upon year. His summer. Elias was asked about his summer and his preparations. Here's here's what he said. Yeah, I think you're, you're right on. I mean, I've got some, got a little more experience now. Um, I played, uh, yeah, going into my sixth season now. Uh, know what to expect. I know what I've been wanting to work on, and uh, yeah, I worked hard this summer. Season. Yeah, it, goes by pretty quick. it does. What was the priority for you off-season-wise? I mean, it's the same as always. Trying to get stronger, trying to get faster, uh, get some more muscles, and uh, yeah. Better overall. So another report from I think Quadrelli was was uh, was uh, talking about this uh, increased his stick flex as well. So could the shot be even more even lethal? Better, yes, potentially. Uh, just so long as it doesn't explode in his hands. I hate that. Seen less of that. I feel no, for sure they're getting yeah. better at that. But you know, still from time to time you yeah. see that that exploding stick trick. We remarked too. They had a nice little. Uh, Social media barrage of everybody holding up this placard, every player holding up a placard with, you know, where they're from and, and little quips. But um, just the visage of Pedersen. Yeah. It's a chiseled man there now at 24. Like, he's he's a man, well, man. Well, older, too. Like, many yeah. have said that, you know, because he was so boyish looking yeah. when he first got here, right? He was 19 or 20 going on you know, 15 Going on boy 16. band. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, no, you're quite right. He's all grown up now, Blake. Uh Patterson asked about Quinn Hughes being named Canucks captain. Take a listen. Uh, fantastic. I think he's, uh, I mean, I've known him for, I mean, ever since we started playing in Shutter, and uh, I think he's been taking steps every year, and obviously this is a big step for him, but uh, he's, I think he's more than ready. I think he, uh, especially last year, he took some steps, and, and yeah, I'm excited for him. So, be uh Vote of endorsement there. Still no one has asked him, did you want the captaincy? Did they offer you the captaincy? Uh, I'm not sure we're done the exploration on how they arrived on Quinn Hughes. I I almost hear, and I could be completely just putting that in there, um, some relief in there. I I, mm-hmm. I get the feeling that it just it was not a responsibility that he necessarily strove for. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a more of a... A North American fascination, yep. I think, than it is a European one. Yeah, and for him, it's just like uh, if I can speak a little less to the media, the, then I'm yeah, no, I'm happy. Fair with enough. That. I think that's yeah. that could well be uh, could well be the case. That will serve as welcome, Matt, today, and we f- invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at secaresomeprice.com. You can text seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sicaris at Sicaris. And Price and the Welcome Matter presentation of Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. You can check in online today and get a haircut on your schedule. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all. Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood for a workshop spirit.
Isaac Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. And Applewood is pleased to be celebrating their 25th anniversary across all brands. But at the end of the virtual auto ball, you can kill a couple birds with one stone to get Applewood Nissan there, Applewood Mitsubishi as well. If you take any car for a test drive, you've got a chance to win $25,000. And any purchase, of course, comes with a $2,500 maintenance package attached to it. I suggest the Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid. Just my opinion check it out because it's all good at apple bodog poll question we'll ask it of our next guest is jim rutherford right does everything have to go right for the canucks to make the playoffs yes or no you can vote at secure some price on twitter bodog your source free casino games poker strategy sports odds bodog line of the day i like sam howell i think washington may have a decent quarterback there they're two and oh getting six and a half points at home against Buffalo. I'll bite on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is once again, Vancouver Canucks color analyst, our old friend. There have been two people in the history of this program who did daily hits with us, Jeff Patterson and our next guest, the one and only Dave Tomlinson. The circle of life. He's back. Congratulations, buddy. I'm absolutely delighted for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It, uh, it's kind of surreal, to be honest with you. Uh, after I had finished playing hockey for a living, all I wanted to do was talk about hockey. And, you know, you kind of dream big. And for me, it was doing color commentary for the Vancouver Canucks. Had that chance on the radio. But the, the big nut was always, oh, I would love to be on TV and be able to talk about everything I see all at once. So uh, fortunate for this opportunity and just really looking forward to get going. I don't want to get fans too excited. But, of course, you took over from a legend, Tom Larshide, on the radio side originally. And in your first year, you went to the Stanley Cup final with the team. So it's yeah. him, huh? He's the rabbit's I'm foot. just saying, usually his debut year is a good one. Um, now, the scale might be different. It may not be Stanley Cup final, but if they make the playoffs this year, it could have been because of you, Dave. If they do, then I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> following Tom Larshide was uh, no easy feat. And then, of course, uh, the same thing with following... John Garrett Cheech has been fantastic. We've talked a couple times this summer, but uh, you know, just to be able to call games for the team that I grew up watching, to be honest. And so uh, here at training camp, looking forward to getting things going. And of course, heard the, the comments from the general manager about what the expectations are for this team. How much does it help that you've worked with Shorty in the past? Like you hit the ground running, you guys already have chemistry, right? Yeah, it, tremendously, actually. Uh, you know, Shorty is uh, one of the best and, uh, being able to start with him on radio and, and learn kind of the the ropes uh, from him, and then now to be able to bring that to television. And you know, I, I like I when I was in Seattle, I was watching Canuck games and watching John and John do their thing. I I, I just really enjoy watching both of them. And so I was out uh, with Shorty last night, had a bite to eat, and we were just reminiscing. <laughs> we both have our quirks, but uh, I, you know the best way for a color guy to ingratiate himself with the play by play guy is say it's your booth. You do your thing, and when you need me, I'll be here. At this lunch, how much ketchup was supplied to your meal? As an homage. It was sans, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was sans ketchup, so I guess it's a, it's a new environment And here, you but, used cutlery uh, probably, too, didn't you? That's I, no, do you know what? So West bad Coast, form. I had a tuna poke bowl, so I was using chopsticks. <laughs> that is the most anti-cheech oh, thing you could possibly. Things have changed. Yes. Oh, man. So uh, you were uh, famous slash infamous for your turns of phrase. Um, uh, do you have some rhyme schemes set up already for goal calls have you have you started to imagine that i want what do you what can you do with bluger um is 
what I'm wondering. Um, anything right. that you've anything that you've pre-written yet or no? No, and you know it's interesting. You know, I don't write these things out, and and I had a lot of free reign in Seattle. They uh, come the off the top of your head, no way, really, huh? Yeah. It, well, you know what it is is something will happen, and there's this yeah right this rolodex of things coming through my head, and then it something hits, and I blurt it out. So you know, every once in a while, I'll kind of flirt with uh, an idea of uh, if it's a big goal. You know, I like to kind of rhyme or invoke some sort of funny sayings. Um, I was telling Shorty last night there was a Jordan Everly goal you know of course i did some work with the kraken you know where it's nice spin around backhand and he put it in it was a pretty big goal at the time it was a home game and so everett my play-by-play guy at the time did his part and then just it came out of me like spinorama how's your mama and, and shorty goes what does that even mean and i'm like i don't know but that's what came up no, for television, it'll probably... Uh, Sedinery was better than yeah. that, by the way. Sedinery. Yeah, yeah. The guy who coined Sedinery. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, Bingo Bango Bongo, his name is Roberto Luongo, one of Tommy's old ones. What yeah, does that right. mean either, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. doesn't have to mean anything. doesn't need to mean anything. No. just needs to sound cool. And Dave Provocative. Tomlinson, Dave Tomlinson has that down pat. What do you make of this hockey club, Dave? Well... I mean, obviously, they've got some stars, right? Elias Pettersson, from uh, the time he came into the league and his growth, his maturity, uh, I think that he's starting to understand that putting points on the board isn't the be-all, end-all. And the individual uh, accolades, they're nice for the trophy case, but you're really looking for that team win. So I think there's the maturity there. I saw that last season uh, from afar. And then I think they got it right with Quinn Hughes as captain. I mean, he is competitive. He eats and breathes hockey, and you want that in the guy that's going to lead your club, even if he's at a younger age. And then Patrick Demko and Ned. I think he's a top five, top seven goaltender when he's healthy and on his game. So you want to work around that. What I think they have as a team is one that's going in the right direction. What I've seen throughout the league, you guys have followed hockey close enough, you really need all three lines that can play against the other team's top two lines. You can't, you know, have that third line or fourth line that just can't keep up and gives back all the momentum. So I think they're building that here, and we'll see if that uh, comes together. I saw Big Head Hockey point out that, uh, you know, there's a dozen Americans on this team. Does that make sense for Quinn Hughes to be a part of this as well? I mean, you know, to be have an American captain, you got a dozen Americans. Half the team's American. You know, I bet you if you pulled the players in the room and said, where do you think that guy's from? They wouldn't know. wouldn't know the country. Yeah. I mean, it, the game's mm-hmm. so international now. I, I saw that as well. And, and the first thing I thought was, okay. Like, yeah. it, it, the game's changed in that sense. It's a globalized game now. And uh, having a European captain or having, you know, your leading scorer come from uh, you know, a smaller hockey, hockey nation, Slovenia, um, then so be it. I don't think the players recognize that or think about that. And certainly Quinn Hughes isn't going to feel like he's got to represent the American contingent in the dressing room. They're all, they're all Canucks. Oh, man. I love it. Look at that oh, company, wow. man. Wow. <laughs> you said turn a phrase. It just, it just hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, one of the things that we're going to be sorting out here over the next few weeks is – who plays with Elias Pettersson? Who plays with JT Miller? You have always been excellent at this, my friend, assuming Ilya Mikheyev is healthy. How would you line up the wingers with the top two centermen? Well, first and foremost, I think that uh, Kuzmenko plays really well with Pettersson. I mean, Pettersson can find open ice. Kuzmenko has this unique skill of 
getting his stick on the ice at the front of the net. I mean, that's no easy task. Usually you're boxed out or you don't have that ability. So, so that's a duo. And I know that uh, Rick Tockett was talking about duos more than complete lines. And, you know, they're going to try some things out here at the start of training camp. Uh, for JT Miller, uh, you know, he can drive a line. Uh, you'd like Brock Besser to be scoring at his uh, salary cap uh, hit. And so that could be a, a duo as well. And then you usually filter through that other winger, I'll, I'll put it. So, well, you know, of course, we'll keep our eyes on the lines throughout training camp and uh, the preseason. But, you know, you, you want to start, you want to hit the ground running. I noticed that last season, you know, with my time in Seattle, the lines that they had near the end of training camp were the same lines they had 30 games into the season. Yeah, they were really consistent last year, uh, and uh, boy, did they shoot at a high percentage last year. That must have been a fun season to call last year with the Kraken. Same question on the top four D. Dave, who do you think should play with Hughes, and, and how would you slot the top four defense? Well, I've had the opportunity to watch uh, Philip Ronick play uh, on the world stage. Uh, so I'm at the World Championship a couple times, and uh, you know, he's. I think Canuck fans are going to get really enjoy uh, getting a good long glimpse of him. I mean, he he can make a stretch pass. He sees up the ice, not just ten feet in front of him. So uh, I think it's game dependent, really. If you're going to have Hironik and Hughes together, I mean, that that's a dynamic pairing that you're probably not getting in on the forecheck against those two. And then later in games, if you're trying to hold the lead, then you can uh, adjust the pairings there. But, uh, you know, I haven't put everything on pen just yet. Still waiting to see what uh, things look like on the ice. Carson Soucy scouting report. Uh, what can he bring to the Canucks? Okay, off ice, he's just a fantastic human being. Uh, he's a great guy, um, you know, very uh, easy to talk to and a uh, good old Alberta guy to know anybody from that province just uh, you know hard worker uh, on the ice you know he doesn't try to do too much uh, two years ago had a 10 goal season just kind of came out of nowhere that's not really his forte he does find a way to sneak in off the blue line and be like as open as a 7-eleven it seems and gets his shot towards the net but he's going to be uh, a physical defenseman uh, uses his reach and his size well when he's at his best just moves the puck and he's done his job. When he was playing in Seattle, uh, first part of the season, he was with Will Borgen. That was like a third pairing. And then uh, they made a switch halfway through the year and he's playing with Justin Schultz. So having an offensive defenseman on his uh, right side, he'd mind the store. The offensive guy can go do his thing. So he can he can handle a second pair minute assignment, do you think? Or is that going to, you know, for 82 games, is that going to be too much for him? I think he's poised to do that. Yeah. I don't think he has to do that, which is the beauty. And, uh, you know, see how comfortable he is. Uh, one of the things that you'll look at as a player coming into a hockey team is, okay, what's the defensive scheme? Like, how does it help what I can do best? And so we'll pick up on that throughout training camp. You know, they want their defenseman running up past the tops of the circles. Maybe that's not his best fit because he's good in tight spaces with his reach and his size. But, uh, you know, he could handle, you know, the 15, 16-minute nights. What did you make of the trade this week? I was thinking about it a little bit more. I mean, it certainly does. Uh, it helps the Canucks. You really do want to have a backup goaltender you can count on. And there's some trust there with Casey Smith and the Penguins organization. And when you think about how late in the uh, offseason the trade was made, what the need was for the Vancouver Canucks to shed some salary and bring in a bona fide back of goaltender who can play games if uh, you know as a number one guy for a short period of time. 
on all those things it hits. You know, when you take a bigger step back and you'd say, oh, I'm giving away a draft pick and having to, you know, make it worthwhile to the other team. That's the reality of a, a team that's up against the cap. So I, I liked it. it. It does solve the question, what happens with Seelovs, who I think has got a really bright future, but has to play. I mean, as a goaltender, you are no uh, of no value in the NHL, sitting on the bench, watching somebody else get the minutes. You want to play, you want to be in those situations so that you're ready when the call comes. We're talking an awful lot about some of the peripheral players here, but really this team is going to rise and fall on the elite players uh, and being able to do what they they do. Um, what's your confidence that everybody, you know, the core players, Pedersen, Miller, Hughes, and Kuzmenko as terms of offensive drivers, can they all match what they did last year, do you think? Well, I'll start with Kuzmenko. He's an interesting character. I haven't had the chance uh, to sit down and talk with him personally but uh, from afar he just looks like a you know one of those guys that brings energy into the room before the game even starts and if he scores at his rate last year I'm going to Bali for the summer so we'll <laughs> see uh, how it works out I, you know I think it's a pretty tall order to say well he's good for 40 you know you need a lot of things to go your way and obviously the shooting percentage showed that but what I noticed about him as a player is this this unique ability to get open at the right time at the front of the net so I think he's still going to be able to get uh, those chances. You know, it's the finish. Yeah, can he continue to bury those pucks? Pedersen's a number one centerman. Uh, and I, I love the fact that he understands that what you do defensively helps you offensively and not the other way around. Uh, JT Miller, I think, has, has calmed himself. Uh, he's at peace with coming onto a team that's, uh, as I said, on the rise. And, you know, I think that it's a really important season for Brock Besser. You know, he's got a, I think he's a guy that's got to score early because I, I think that his confidence will grow as he scores early in the season. If it's tough for him to get that first, that second goal, and then you start guessing and, and um, overthinking things. And that's, that's not good for a goal scorer. Ask you a Bodog poll question. Does everything need to go right here, Dave, for this team to make the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think health is the most important thing because you look at their top players that we've been talking about, they can change the nature of a hockey game, starting with Demko and Nett. I'm a big fan of Thatcher Demko, and you know, people know what he can do when he's on his game, but he's got to be healthy and be able to play. And I think that Edmonton's probably the front runner. I think Vegas believes that they don't have to win the division to do well. And then L.A. really improved themselves down the middle. So now you're looking at that next level. Seattle, maybe there's a step back there. Uh, Calgary, I don't even know if Calgary knows what Calgary is at this particular moment in time. And so you've got to be ahead of those two teams and then beat up on some central division teams. So there is a path, but I do think that you're, you're right, and the general manager said it. Uh, things have to go right, go well for the Canuck team. That's the, other, well, that's the flip side here, guys, is everything – could go right for the Canucks, but everything could go wrong for those other bubble teams. We already know San Jose and Anaheim are going to be terrible. Winnipeg and Calgary, who knows what they are? And and if Winnipeg yeah. and Calgary don't do their job, three teams still need to make the playoffs from the Pacific Division, right? Right, and, and Nashville is in a interesting spot, right? They're trying to fill a little bit and also get younger and, and get some of their younger players some more experience. So you know, there's that spot right there. You know, there's a wild card spot that someone has to take. And when you start going through each team, you start to separate which teams are going to be the front runners. I mean, Colorado's restocked. 
you know, Dallas was a handful. And so St. Louis, you think they're better. They're a wild card too. They're a central wild card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's there, it's enticing, but uh, there is a couple other teams that are doing the same thing, going through the division and saying, oh, the Canucks are, you know, they're restocking and they're trying to, you know, fiddle with uh, parts of their roster. Maybe this is the year we have a leg out. Lastly, Dave, Timu Polkinen. I was, I'm glad you yes. beat me to it. You were right. 15 you goals. Right. 15 goals last season. Oh, he had a hell of a, a year half for a Tractor Chelya Bits. Yeah, but. I mean, even at his advanced age of 31, still not a bad pickup. Oh, well, I was doing, I was looking through my, uh, some hockey DB last night, and oh, there's a Canuck player on this roster that played with Polkinen before he turned pro and i was like i wonder if this is going to come up but, <laughs> <laughs> but you forgot the name come on not gonna we'll, throw you completely we'll the trust way. you you can text it to me later okay i'm gonna yes. go through yokerit helsinki in 2012 2013 i'll get back to you dave yeah, yeah. thanks for this buddy congratulations again great to hear your voice see your face wish you all the best this season i appreciate you guys having me on thank you Secure some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst at Twitter.com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick and Jason Mortgage. Recent Secure some price listener contacted Jason. One month before their mortgage renewal, Jason noticed they could get out of their mortgage and get a lower rate. Even with the get out penalty, this listener saved money had they waited on the banks to renew. Would have cost them $7,000. That's the advantage you get with Jason Hominick on your side. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. At Joe Pompliano. Good follow. Yeah, he is. Yeah, you used one of his tweets yep. earlier this week. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif officially retired today. He attended McGill University in Montreal before being drafted in 2014 by Kansas City in the sixth round. Laurent then attended medical school during several off-seasons, gradu- graduating from McGill with an MD in 2018. He sat out the 2020 season, you may remember, to help fight COVID at a hospital in Montreal. He'll finish his career with a Super Bowl ring, $25 million in earnings. Now, that's a hell of a career. And, of course, he was also the Canadian Athlete of the Year alongside Alfonso Davies in 2020 when the uh, former Lou March panel saw fit to split the award between an athletic performer and Duvernay Tardif for all his humanitarian experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was fantastic guy. Fun. We've had him on the show before. Yeah. Fantastic credit to the Canadian football system and to his school and to his family and to just about everyone. I think he's going to feel good about the choices he's made in yeah. his life. So yeah. that's the most important thing. He's the type of guy that makes you feel bad about what you've yes, done. Yes, yeah, a little bit of that. A <laughs> little bit that accomplished. of that. I, I'm around a lot of doctors in my family right now, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't feel like I can keep up in the conversation in right. terms of uh, what their days have looked like. Indeed. You know, you know, like it's, it's a little intimidating. Indeed. At Eric Francis, the below statement from the Flames regarding Oliver Shillington. This is the former Vancouver Canuck property. Uh, this morning, what? well, it, it would have been the pick, right? Didn't they trade this pick that turned into no, Oliver Shillington? No, you're thinking Rasmus, Rasmus Anderson. Anderson. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a connection to Oliver Shillington. 
I'll look it up. Anyway, a uh, bull statement from the Flames regarding Oliver Shillington this morning marks a sad development for a man so many people are cheering for. It can't be easy reintegrating yourself after missing a year to deal with a personal issue. He has skated with teammates and was at the Dome Tuesday to take part in team photo shoots. Tough to read into just how long it will be into, until we see him in action again. Thoughts are with him. Here's the team statement, quote, following yesterday's medical and fitness testing, it was determined that Oliver is unable to participate in the opening of training camp today. As this is a private personal matter, no further information will be provided. So in the wake of the uh, Ilya Mikheyev news here, you know, again, it's a, um, it's a reminder. There's, you know, there's, these are, these are people, they, they deal with the same sort of stuff, the same pressures. Um, I mean, who knows what's going on with Shillington? Um, but he had every intention of restarting his NHL career. He'd done a couple of interviews from Sweden before arriving in North America and said he's yeah. excited to get back. He feels better about where he's at, and he couldn't get past the medical and fitness testing. No. So it's it's too bad. Well, and, and as we discussed yesterday, um, Calgary and Winnipeg are two teams that I think the Vancouver Canucks and Canucks fans will be watching closely here, mm-hmm. A, because they are two teams the Canucks have to leapfrog in order to get to the playoffs. They both finished ahead of Vancouver last year. But B, like the Canucks, if this season doesn't work out, I think you could see really big changes there. As we know, Michael Backlund, Elias Lindholm are in the final year. Noah Hannafin are in their final years. Tanif even too, before unrestricted free agency. And frankly, uh, Shillington's loss on the blue line hurts. I mean, Calgary, Shillington with the player he was a couple of years ago on that blue line, that's a pretty good six. Um, minus Shillington, you're backfilling now with a couple of guys who are more fringy NHLers. So Calgary's defensive depth, I think, is going to be challenged if Shillington can't can't participate at some point soon. At Tom Pel- Pelissero trade, the Rams are sending running back Cam Akers to the Vikings. Per sources, it's just a pick swap for L.A. They get a sixth in place of a seventh. They didn't have a lot of leverage here with Sean McVay saying earlier in the week Akers will be traded. The Vikings now have another replacement for Dalvin Cook, who they lost in the offseason. And Akers was made expendable by the fine start to the season from one-time Notre Dame running back uh, Kyron Williams there with the Rams. So the Rams a little thinner at running back a few weeks into the season, and we'll see whether they can keep that ground game going up all year. Of course, they had success against Seattle in They did, one. indeed, yes. Uh, at Men in Blazers, the Messi effect, all caps, Lionel Messi being subbed off on the 37th minute, led to this exodus from the stands. Hopefully fans just wanted to beat the cues for halftime refreshments and didn't miss the four goals. Inter-Miami went on to score. This has gone a little viral, the conspiracy theories. that And, and are there some Fairweather fans that just stayed for Messi? A little akin to the people that just stayed for the first 20 minutes of the game after a concert at the Lions opener sort of thing. Like, are there people that did that? Yes, but yeah. not the vast majority. Most of them were back in their seats for the second half, did just get the jump on things because there was an injury right at the 40th minute as well after Messi uh, was subbed off. There was also an injury. And so people used that pause in the play to go and get halftime refreshments. Um, Messi's bringing people to the yard. There's going to be some scrutiny about how long-lasting this effect it will be, but uh, I I don't know that this is necessarily the storyline of what happened last night. 
Lastly, for me, at David Purdom, in the past 20 seasons, there have been only two Sundays in which every team in the afternoon games made at least one field goal. One was this past Sunday. The previous one was October 10th, 2010. Here's the backstory on how more than 21,000 bettors capitalized on an improbable Sunday. FanDuel posted odds for every team on the afternoon slate to kick a field goal, so 12 games, 24 teams, at 200 to 1. It was 30 to 1 on DraftKings. A better by the name of JD, that's the only name he would give to uh, David Purdom. So one book said 200 to 1, the other one said 30 to 1. 30 to 1. So Somebody sh- didn't do their homework. The though. Sharps caught this. Guy by the name of JD, who uh, doesn't give his real name, he's yeah. anonymous, but he's the part of a betting consortium called Gold Boys. He placed two bets risking $1,584 on the prop at, 200 and, at 201, 200 to 1. Chance went $316,800. At 10.01 a.m., he told his 160,000 followers on X that the bet was, quote, worth a dollar. 21,000 bets flowed from that at an average of $6 per bet. Now, over the past 10 seasons, 82% of teams have made at least one field goal in the game. So using that as a baseline percentage, the odds of all 12 teams making a field goal was 0.84%. Very small, right? Right. But what these guys noticed is that the line for 200 and what to 201 would be 0.5. So the DraftKings line was out of order yeah. from where it should have been on the statistical probability. Sure enough, New York Giants kicker Graham Gano in the final minute of the game. Final minute. Kicks the game-winning field goal. JD said it was his biggest win of a 15-year wagering career, and DraftKings took a bath as these 21,000 bettors all cashed in. Do we have a total loss? Do we have the size of the bath? $20 million. Is that what it is? Yeah. Blake, by missing it by 0.34%, they got the antenna up of right. Sharps and cost themselves $20 million. That's a bad day at the office. Because you wonder if at 150 to 1, which still would have been way bigger than the other competing book, if, they, if, it, if it would have been flagged in the same way. As JD tells Purdom, he says, I see literally thousands of these betting props each and every week. Yeah. More often than not, they don't catch my attention. But when he saw this one at 200 to 1, he cross-referenced it with others and went, they're out of line. No pun intended. Yes. And and went about not only betting it himself, but then informing his followers. What's, what's this follow on Twitter? I think I should follow <laughs> this what, guy. One note, in the past 20 years, it's only been done twice before. Yeah, I said that. Oh, did Off you? Off the top. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Crazy. Well, then. <laughs> it needed to be said again. Yeah. Thank you, Grady. Thank you, Grady. Thanks for listening. That's hashtags for today. We're joined now by Thursday regular 
the national sports editor of the Daily Hive, and it's offside vertical. It is Rob the Hockey Guy, Rob Williams. Rob the Carpool Guy. From his vehicle with co-pilot Patrick Johnston. <laughs> Very environmentally friendly of you two to carpool to Victoria. This video, well this video might challenge Faber on a scooter in Penticton as our oh, best right. preseason <laughs> video. Right. I don't. Let, I don't that guys that was pretty epic I don't know if we can match those levels <laughs> but yeah coming coming to you somewhere in between uh, Schwartz Bay and uh, the Savon Foods Memorial Center I've, it's been a while since I've been on Vancouver Island so yeah P, PJ is showing me the way though he's he's identifying random side streets and somehow knows where he's going well let's just uh, let's just start there it's not the meatiest topic but Rutherford saying yesterday they'd love to get the team out there meeting other parts of the province and you know getting the team in touch with its fans base across British Columbia but he also said Rogers Arena will be done next year and he hopes to have a practice facility how much longer do you think the Canucks will be on the road for camp yeah I mean credit to PJ's question yesterday I didn't I didn't realize that other teams weren't doing this right like that that this is kind of a uh you know something that's uh kind of going away but i i think i mean i think it's it's great i think it's great like uh you know even look at the toronto raptors how they you know they're coming to vancouver for for their training camp and i think that helps build their brand out here when when they do things like that and i think it it only helps uh the the canucks and their footprint around the province uh you know to show a little bit of love to to different communities like like victoria so i, I think it's great but yeah like I think it's going to depend on, you know, what do, you know, what does Rick Tockett think he needs to prepare his team best for the season? Does he think it's a good bonding experience for the players? The players get annoyed by having to, you know, be in a hotel for a few days or do they like it perhaps? So uh, I think a, a lot of that depends on, on those types of things. Do you, I mean, do you guys get demographics on, on your, on your pieces on daily hive and, and like, do you see a pickup around the province and, and where people are reading when, when it does move around? Do you have any analytics on that? I don't think it really, well, I, I mean, I, yeah, I haven't dug that deeply yeah. into it, but I don't know that it, it necessarily makes a, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure people in Victoria probably care a little bit more about training camp because the, because training camp is is in Victoria. Let's but, face it, though, people around BC yeah. care. Period. No yeah. matter where exactly. the yeah. is. Yeah. And, and really, yeah. this is the week. Like I know everybody thinks it starts when you get back from Labor Day. That's very much an old school traditional media mindset. It really picks up this week when actual Canucks, NHL Canucks, touch yeah. ice uh, the, has been our the minute. Yeah, the minute we see line rushes and we see who right. you know who Pedersen's playing with, like now it's on, and now you know, people are living and dying with, with every, you know, every drill at practice and every, you know, and, and preseason just around the corner as well. Like, I mean, that's coming up this weekend. Before we get um, to some number, know, yeah. before we get to some numbers and other things uh, up your alley, uh, your biggest takeaway from yesterday and the, uh, the big media meet with uh, the brass and stuff like that. And what, uh, what'd you take away from it? Just a united front, right? Like think about to last year, like, you know, we've got, Rutherford, Alvin, Tockett, all sitting in a row, all pretty well the same haircut, you know, like <laughs> like all of those things. You know what I mean? Like they just came across as like a united front. Like the finally the Canucks are, you know, management and coaching staff, they're all 
in line with you know they're they're all they're all with their bangs they're in line with their bangs apparently yes exactly (laughs) exactly right so you know to me that that's the 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 main takeaway from it i thought was interesting that we saw rutherford uh speaking again i kind of think it's probably a smart decision on on his his uh, part to just kind of let alvin do the talking and it's not good for the media because rutherford's a better quote but um yeah i thought it was you know Coming out at the start of the season, I don't know when we'll hear him speak again. But uh, do you think he can resist yeah. it? I was amazed that he stayed as I, I quiet think, as yeah, he can. I think a part of it is that he just can't <laughs> help himself. That's I think thinking. he loves yeah. sort of the shine he got as yeah. the Straight Talk Express when he first took over here, and he just crossed the line with Boudreaux. I mean, they were just downright cruel uh, unnecessarily with Boudreaux as it went forward. Uh, Rob is Rutherford right? Does everything have to go right for this team to make the playoffs? I think a lot of things have to go right. Um, yeah, everything. I mean, it's hard to make the playoffs now, right? Like, it's it's really hard, and they're going to be, you know, you look at the gambling odds, right? Like, I don't know what Bodog has on it, but most of the most of the gambling odds out there are Canucks are a bubble team, and they're going to miss, right? And that's kind of how I see it as well. Um, but a lot of it depends on like how how good is this team defensively? Can they get the same offensive production from their stars that they did a year ago? And and can they now all of a sudden do they have uh, you know some some responsible bottom six centers and do they have uh, some responsible and, and trustworthy top four defensemen? Eighty eight and a half points, the over under, I believe. Didn't we yeah, Bodog, yeah. Uh, Bodog said it at eighty eight and a half points. Of course, they were uh, eighty three last year, and ninety five made the playoffs, and several several teams. And hey, that's an incremental step forward. That's a, that's the odds maker saying we think they're better, mm-hmm. but it's still not all the way. So, and, and of course, you know, as we talked about yesterday, Rob, it's not just about the teams you have to leapfrog from last year. It's holding off the teams that are were below you in the standings, a team like St. Louis and making sure that you still maintain position on top of gaining ground on the Western conference playoff field last year. Absolutely. And, and, you know, with all this said, like, I, I don't think I'd put money on them to make the playoffs, but I mean, I think they could, I think they can make them, you know, I, I, I certainly, I, I think it's going to depend on, on the, a lot of like the little, all these little moves that they've made, right? These like the Teddy Blugers and the, you know, and the uh, Pew Suter moves, right? Like, and Rick Tockett, like how does that all come together? Um, I think the sum of the parts can all, can all uh, make it work. And I think they could, they can squeak in, but I could, boy, oh boy, I could, I could also see it going, going the other way um, as well. Okay. So what, all right. So, so what are we doing here, guys? Um is the ring of honor <laughs> oh is is that a retired number or is it not a retired number it's not a retired number but it is too soon and quite <laughs> too frankly soon. Oh. well and quite frankly well it should be a retired number there's a it's statute not. of limitations okay it's not but it's too soon and quite frankly casey DeSmith, you are unworthy <laughs> Is that it? Is that it? That's, if he were better, that's my we'd give it to you? No, if he was the starting goalie, it would be a conversation, but this is a backup goalie. Rob Casey DeSmith has traditionally worn number one. Pick it up from there. Uh, yeah, I I sort of was waiting for okay, what are they what number is he gonna pick here? Because you know, 
he's worn number one throughout his NHL and AHL career. So since he's been a pro, he's worn number one. He wore number one at the World Championships. That's his number. Number one is available. It's not retired. Uh, like somebody's gonna wear number one again. Like how many like, backups wear number one though? Like, <laughs> he, like he says it's available, and I just cringe. Just there's a shot through my body that I just. Should a backup I wear shudder. number one though? Should that be a no, should that be yeah. a question? That's like you have to be point. the guy, don't you? Yeah. So you know, to me, like I think it should be retired, but it's not. Somebody's going to wear it again. Uh, but at the same time, I thought, you know, I, I threw it out on on Twitter yesterday afternoon, going, "So what number is he going to wear?" Right? Like, like that's his number, and it's not retired. So, and you just the. The replies to this tweet are in all directions. There's some fans think, yeah, of course, he should be able to wear it. Others, uh, you know, but there's a huge number of people who think, no, he shouldn't. And I think for a team that's trying to reduce the noise around them right now and not wanting any controversy or any kind of thing to, to, to you know, have it, to have chaos, <laughs> I think just pick a different number was was the right move and and he's you know he's wearing Felix Potvin's old number 29 he's the second Canucks goalie in in uh in franchise history to wear So Essenza didn't wear 29? I thought I he saw it. Oh, okay. No, what was Essenza? He was 35 I think. Was he? Okay. Um but yeah, so so yeah, so he's going to be wearing 29 it's the number he wore in uh, in college and it's fine. But yeah, I think back to Matt's point like okay, like who, you know, you know, is he worthy of wearing it? I, I think, you know, if, if it was like Seelov's coming up and, and, you know, okay, maybe this is your, your prospect next goalie in line and he wears one, that's probably going to be fine. But yeah, the guy that's on a one-year contract, you know, and, and as a backup, do you, do you want to cause any sort of an uproar, even if it's, you know, just a, a you know, even if they're well within their rights to, to give out the number, probably smart to just make them pick it. Well, and, and guys, here's the thing. Like we're talking about this number one in a Roberto Luongo context, because of course, uh, uh, he's going into the, uh, ring of honor and we got the announcement last year and we most remember Roberto wearing number one because of all the team success they had most recently. But inside that building, I would bet it's as much about Kirk McLean who is still an employee of Canuck Sports right. Entertainment, is still very much around the club, and I would bet is maintaining much closer personal relationships with everybody from the training and the equipment staff all the way up to the owner. So, you know, I, I good on Casey DeSmith for showing deference, not being tied to superstition or anything that goes along with his number, and uh, accepting a different one here in the here and now, if he goes on to be the starting goaltender of the Vancouver Canucks and brings them glory in the playoffs, then, Hey, switch it up. You have license to wear number one, Rob, what did you make of the trade uh, beyond the number and what number he'll wear? What did did you make of the trade? It caught me by surprise because I I was, you know, when I know the, the report about that the Canucks were aggressively trying to make a trade to clear cap space. And I thought, well, geez, who, right? Like, and I was kind of like, well, the only guy in the, that middle class that that's kind of along the, you know, Jason Dickinson kind of lines was was Pearson. And I thought, well, who's going to take that contract coming off that injury? 
um, apparently the Montreal Canadiens. So I, that, that caught me by surprise that they were able to offload that. You know, you, you hate to see them give up another draft pick. Just it's every year. They're constantly, you know, in a deficit with, with draft picks. So you hate to see that. But I also thought they needed a, a, a you know, a more established backup goalie. So I thought, and I think the Smith is that. I, so I think that, the, you know, you hate to lose, you hate to lose uh, the pick, but to shed salary and, uh, you know, solve a problem that I think threatened to, you know, to derail their playoff chances, right? If you, if you have a, you know, if you have subpar, um, I have a subpar backup goaltender and there are, you know, lots of question marks with, with Seelovs or Martin or whoever they were going to pick, you know, that can be the difference between making or missing the playoffs. So I think that overall, I think I like the move and um, which, you know, I generally don't when they give away draft picks, but I think it, they were, they were, um, it was a, you know, you can say what you say, what you want about them putting themselves in this, in the position where they actually needed to, to shed cap space before the season. But given the situation they were in, I think it was a good move. Yeah, that's it. Uh, once again, a process that is questionable that they've got to get out of. But in this case, the specifics and the particulars of the trade make it defensible. Rob, you travel safely to training camp. Thank you for the time, sir. Give our best to Patrick. I'm sure he makes a fantastic navigator and co-pilot. He didn't sleep for four he, hours snoring he's, away. He's working hard on his laptop. As long as he's present and engaged. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Harrison Price from Wall Center, presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Results from yesterday's Bodog poll question. And I got to say, we got a lot of really smart comments on yesterday's poll. Love when that happens. Was Tanner Pearson and a third round pick for Casey DeSmith a good trade for the Canucks? Nearly 1,600 votes. Yes or no? What did the people say? Uh, yes. Of course. Percentage? 80. 81. Boom. Not bad. Devo, good? Uh, no. Bad? Not terrible. A self-made hole that was dug out of by using a draft pick. Andrew, not good, just necessary. Need to keep moving forward. Hockey rules number one says this definitely would make way to sign Ethan Bear and dump Myers eventually. It's possible given the... Comments we heard yesterday about wanting to get out of a contract or two. Double Dime says, yes, in the sense that I think DeSmith is a legitimate backup. However, I would have liked Zilloffs to have seen NHL time. The third is kind of like the cost of doing business from a previous regime. Libor. Oh, he went through the trade tree. The organization managed to turn Jared McCann a second and a fourth into the loss of another third and a backup goalie. Your poll question should be, is this the most Canucks-like trade tree ever? (laughs) Well, it was a bailout trade. I mean, they are... But here's the thing, everybody, and and it's fun looking at trade trees. I do it myself, and yes, there are some... They're more... Terrible results. They're more curiosities as as you play them out. Yeah. Also, once Alvin, you've made a bad trade as a manager, though, that's water under the bridge. Yes, right. It's a new set of circumstances. You have to move on, even if it's not necessarily going to reflect well on the trade tree. Yep. And especially if it's the previous management that did it, right? 
like they're not worried. Alvin and exactly. Rutherford aren't worried about what Benning did in was it 2016? 2019 was the pure. Yeah, going back to the. Oh, one, yeah, yeah, the good Branson trade, yeah. yeah. And I think trade trees are more interesting when they were terrible trades from the outset. I, the acquisition of Tanner Pearson was not lambasted. He was really good. He was no. nine goals in 19 games after coming over from Pittsburgh. He totally revitalized his career because it was really sagging Yeah, under the pants. And then the next year, he was 20 and 20 for 40-some points. Zero problem. And played a robust wall game. So every. Look, they got some value out of Tanner Pearson. Of that, there's no doubt. Trade trees for Good Branson, trade trees for Louis Erickson signing, uh, you know, and what that ended up being yeah. with regards to his trade away. Those things are interesting. The unfortunate part, and as we, we said it at the time, was the three year, $3.5 million contract coming off. I want to say Pearson had like nine goals that year and 59 games or something like that. It was by no means Tanner Pearson's best year. And Benning not only re-signs him, but says we need more Tanner Pearson. Yeah, it was 10 goals in 51 games. And they give him the three-year deal. And we were all like, really? You might have actually been able to get a draft pick for him. Mm -hmm. But Benning doubled down on him. And lastly... Uh, Leo says, given how Demko has not been able to demonstrate good health for the entire year, it's imperative they find a legit backup. Martin and Delia were beyond terrible last year. And there is definitely hopes that DeSmith can be better than Spencer Martin and Colin Delia were last year. Again, you look at career save percentage, there's reason to believe he can be, for sure. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. I have none, Grady, but I understand regular Lester. Shout out Tyler. Has taken umbrage with me. Yeah, Tyler Brock didn't like your take about how driving is enjoyable and peaceful. Well, he brought up sitting in traffic. If you're sitting in traffic, you're not really that's, driving. Hey, that's not driving. Are you? Be nobody likes that, Tyler. But when I, I'm saying, when you have an open road in front of you, a beautiful drive like the Coquihalla or the Hope Princeton, and You've got the peace and serenity of the cockpit without anybody, you know, in your case, your without co kids. sleeping. Yeah. Without kids in the back. Have you ever threatened to turn this car around? Oh, I've stopped the car. I've turned. I, generally, you don't want to make that because that, that inconveniences you as well. Right. But I have pulled over, gotten out of the car and walked away. Well, you effective? just start walking down the highway. Was, was that effective messaging to the children? Um, I, I just needed to, otherwise things... Oh, I, so uh, you weren't caring about the message you were sending, you just needed a few minutes to yourself. It was, it's both. It's like, I'm going to do something I regret, so I should walk away from this scenario. Right. To run into the forest, take a leak, and come back. Well, that's a different thing. Where's yeah. daddy going? Daddy's going for a pee. Oh, wait a second. No. Daddy just needs a minute. Just... Cooling off. Tyler also made it clear he's no means an anti-car guy, but he wants an efficient Japanese-style transit system. <laughs> Don't we all? But unfortunately, our topography oh, is I, not I, great. I, I was thinking about this recently, For though. That. Like, we've really screwed up on trains. Huh? Yeah. Like, we should have been on trains decades ago. Yeah. Like, when I look across the world and I hear of all these high-speed trains that get you from A to B in, like... And I sit there and I look at what's available. Like, we don't even do particularly, we don't even do trains well in this city from a, like, 
local community and traffic moving standpoint, let alone a high-speed train somewhere. I know we're talking about a high-speed train to Seattle and Portland, which would be great. Should have been done years ago. Why don't we first bring SkyTrain service to the entire western part of the community? No, I'm not going to exonerate because there's certainly lines that are obvious, but there are difficulties for places like Port Moody, like the North Shore, like there's... It's not easy going up and over mountains on trains, so the, you know that part can be tough. But but in but other we're, parts, it's we're, easy. We're just now doing the Broadway to Arbutus yeah, corridor, yeah, that and been. of course, as we all know, it's got to go out to UBC. UBC's existed for a number of years, for a long time. Very big campus. Yeah, lots of students. Only getting bigger, in fact. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like? What you got? I'm moving on quickly. To- to Real Salt Lake for the Whitecaps. Are you already, yeah? <laughs> because it's, you just try to flush it. You got to look ahead. Mm-hmm. Plus 270 for the Whitecaps to go into Rio Tinto Stadium. <laughs> On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social media. That's Twitter, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.